0: Welcome to the Butts and the Seeds Podcast, episode number 61. It's time for Vince Russo.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we made it.
0: I'm Nick alongside Emily.
1: Somehow we're still here.
0: Emily, I imagine this will be a lot of people's entry point into the podcast. So What
1: a time to join.
0: Why don't you tell everybody what what our general deal is here?
1: Well, here at Butts and the Seeds Podcast, we take a week-by-week look at WCW's Nitro show and we analyze the um, impending doom of the franchise.
0: And for the record, I have to start off salty with new listeners, but it is butts in the seats, not butts in seats. Even Tony Schiavone started getting that wrong. Like he has like a book called butts in seats and I'm like, listen oh, yeah. to the clip back.
1: No. And I, I double checked the wiki too. Yeah.
0: We got paranoid when we got to that episode. <laughs> we're like, we, we're, we're correct. Right. Yeah. No,
1: it's butts in the seats. I uh,
0: Whatever. Whatever.
1: We have it right. Tony, you know, has had a rough life. He had to live through this.
0: True. But we have an exciting breakneck speed episode of Nitro to review today.
1: For our new listeners, as Nick said as being, this is episode 61. We have been building to this point in our podcast for 61 episodes. So this is kind of like a, a graduation for us almost. Like everything has been kind of building to this.
0: Yeah, because this episode is basically the one year mark because we started Halloween Havoc 1998 and it seemed like this was the appropriate moment to kind of take the year in review and then Halloween Havoc starts the next year.
1: Yeah, I mean we've been recording for what, God has it been two years now? Yeah. Oh my God, we've been doing this podcast for two years. Yep. Whoa, that's insane.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think it started with a like four and a half hour WrestleMania 18 pilot that I don't even know where it is anymore. I don't But the either. audio, audio quality is terrible.
1: If we ever find that pilot, maybe that'll be enough for us to like start a Patreon or something and be I, like, do you want to pay a couple bucks to hear a
0: really long, really bad podcast? Honestly, with the edit, it'll be faster for us just to record a new episode of it.
1: But it won't have the uh, the realism that it had at the moment. Because that was the first time we ever sat down to record a podcast. Yes. It was
0: rough. But because this is the kind of you know one year mark, we will be ending this show with the year in review awards, which we never really came up with with a good name for.
1: No, the I'm, I'm calling them the best best bits.
0: Well, that is one of the it's awards. The categories. The uh, bitsies.
1: Oh, I like that. The bitsies. The itsy bitsies.
0: So let's start with the obvious question, which admittedly has an obvious answer, but. Did this week feel like a different show than oh my um, God, some previous yes. weeks?
1: Such a different show. In like in a in a lot of ways.
0: Well, it actually did do a better rating. People actually tune in to see what the hell was going on.
1: I think it's the curiosity case. I don't think it's good wrestling. I don't think it was a good show. I think it was just curiosity. I don't
0: know if it was a good show and we'll kind of address that as we go through. Uh, This nature did a 3.3 which is up from a 2.6 last week.
1: That's not insignificant.
0: And Raw's down from a 6.1 to a 5.4 and it's the night after a pay-per-view. Yeah because Vince Russo pretty much uses this as like no see I like I saved the ratings and it's like.
1: No you didn't save the ratings you inflated them with your Curiosity, like, yeah, people, I would have tuned in, like, if they cited the internet a lot tonight.
0: Oh, yeah. So. That's a big thing.
1: I mean, all those internet readers, they would have tuned in.
0: Before we get into the show, let's talk about some backstage notes, because I'm also kind of curious, in reality, how much do you know about this time and Vince Russo himself?
1: Very little. I don't know anything about Vince Russo, except for what I may have pseudo-retained in my lizard brain from the death of WCW book.
0: You just know he's not good.
1: Yes. I know he's inevitably the reason why WCW is no longer with us.
0: Yeah, and I guess we'll, we'll kind of address that as we're going through his era, because because we talked about it at the end of last episode. Yeah, this show isn't on life support, but it's definitely a little ill right now.
1: Yeah, so what we used to say in going into these episodes was that it was a slow but inevitable downfall. I think that the downfall just happened, and t- up until this point, it's been slow. <laughs> I think it's just been slow, but inevitable, and this week was the downfall of that sentence.
0: Do you know why Russo came to, w- to WCW?
1: Not entirely. I know it has something to do with Bischoff, has something to do with Russo being fired from WWF.
0: He was not fired.
1: He left on his own accord.
0: He quit. Oof. Do you know why he quit? No. SmackDown. Vince McMahon had them create SmackDown and went, cool, I'm going to pay you the same amount of money, even though now you're writing two shows.
1: Oh, okay. Well,
0: that's valid. And Vince Rose is like, okay, well, I want to get paid more. I'd also like, you know, a contract for some job security. And I don't like living in Connecticut because, you know, I like barely ever see my kids. So I want to like move. And in typical Vince McMahon fashion, he goes, well, you have enough money to hire a nanny. (laughs) They quit over, over, you know, a weekend. And that was that.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's not, Vince Russo is not wrong in that. That's absolutely incredibly valid. If you're doing two jobs, you should get paid double and you should have some job security and you should be able to see your family. All of those things are incredibly valid. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fuck. But he has a lot of ideas and plans about what he wants to do with the show. Oh, sure. And um, they mostly don't involve Hulk Hogan, who is not here tonight in trying to work the internet dirt sheets. They're like, oh, H- Hogan stormed out of a meeting okay yeah and then you guys just no should because they didn't really talk about him that much No, so at all. You, were,
1: you were telling me that this is something that the internet readers would know and none of the actual like just tv watchers would understand but this is a work to shoot brother yeah and hogan's pissed at russo yeah
0: okay <laughs> but i think only the uh, kind of backstage notes i have are related to segments so emily do you want to get into this are you ready <sighs> to experience this again. I feel like
1: I need to go shotgun a Red Bull to have enough energy to get through this.
0: So today's episode is on the October 18th, 1999, Monday Nitro, live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the Philly Spectrum. And we start backstage. Get used to that word.
1: Oh my God. So leading up to this, we were like, I think, especially me, I said, man, this would be a good backstage segment. We should really have more backstage segments. If only this was backstage. I... I was unprepared. (laughs) I was unprepared for what all those wishes would truly mean.
0: But backstage, a limo arrives. It's Sid in a very big suit with lawyers, I kind of assumed at the time, and I was correct in assuming that.
1: Just a whole bunch of guys in suits piling out of a limo.
0: We Then go to the Nitro opening, get the opening pyro, and it's Bobby Heenan and Tony Schiavone on commentary, but they only check in verbally because we're going right into our first match. It is Juventud Guerrera versus Evan Courageous.
1: Yeah, no fanfare here. It's just, and we're here and go.
0: And no tearaway pants for Courageous either. I was I'm like, so what? sorry.
1: They had a tearaway pants budget and they exceeded it on Lex Luger. I'm so sorry.
0: I'm sorry. Who is that? Lex Luger. I believe you mean the total package. I do not. Listen, this is some people's entryway in. They need to know that Lex Luger is dead. Long live the total package.
1: He's still Which Lex- is literally how they did it. Pretty much, yeah. He is still Lex Luger in my notes. Lex is a lot easier to write down than the total package. Every time, and they
0: constantly are calling him Lex or Luger. They're calling him
1: Luger, yeah. And if I write down TTP, I am gonna get confused.
0: I don't know when this starts, but you'll be excited to know that Evan Courageous is about to get a new gimmick. Oh, okay. Jimmy Hart is running WW Saturday Night and wants to package three guys together. Those three guys are Evan Courageous, Shannon Moore, who I don't think you know too much about Shannon. And the third member of this group is going to be Shane Helms.
1: Sorry, go back to Shannon Moore. He's the guy that was, um, he's with, um, Matt, Matt, Hardy. Matt Hardy. Yeah, yeah. I know, I didn't know he was in WCW. I yeah. know him.
0: Yeah, and Shane Helms.
1: I love the Hurricane. That is not unknown here. I follow Shane Helms on Twitter. I love him very, very much.
0: So that group is going to be called Three Count, and it's basically going to be a Backstreet Boys gimmick. <gasps> yes. So the match starts. They start pretty quick. Craig just clotheslines Hoovy to the floor. I did note there's two babes next to two open seats in the front row, so I'm like, okay, well, guess we know who's coming out later. We get big Hoovy sucks chance. We get Hoovy chopping courageous and missing a corner splash, but hits a head scissors and signals for the Hoovy driver, but just hits a 10-punch spot instead.
1: Yeah, he signaled for the driver. He never got to hit the driver.
0: He then hits a top rope cross body. And before we continue with this match, I want to read a quote. Oh, no. It's a quote from Vince Russo. I'm not going to do the voice for this. I will do it on some some other occasions. I'm going to tell you something right now that you will absolutely not agree with, but I've been a wrestling fan my whole life, and I will live and die by this. It's hard enough, believe me, I write this shit. It is hard enough to get someone over. You will never, ever, 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 ever see the Japanese wrestlers or the Mexican wrestlers over in American mainstream wrestling. And the simple reason for that is, even myself... I'm an American, and I don't want to sound like a big bigot or a racist or anything like that, but I'm an American. If I'm watching wrestling here in America, I don't give a shit about a Japanese guy. I don't give a shit about a Mexican guy. I'm from America. That's what I want to see.
1: I really need Vince Russo to watch Schoolhouse Rock, particularly the Great American Melting Pot song, (laughs) because what the
0: fuck was that?
1: Little does he know. Twenty years later, Shinsuke Nakamura is the heavyweight cha- or the the WWF champion. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He gets the he gets the championship.
0: Nope. Yes, he, he does. He never won the WWE title. I thought he did. He won the Royal Rumble and then he lost to AJ Styles at WrestleMania. He's won I the thought
1: he won the title. He's won
0: the inter- Intercontinental title a couple times.
1: I really thought he was the champion.
0: No, nope. he should have been. Maybe you're confusing it with everyone saying, yeah, he really should have won. I
1: really thought he was. Well, Oscar was the women's champion. Also, Vince Russo, there were women.
0: Also lost of it it? It too.
1: She still had the championship. I know, yeah, later. Fuck you, man.
0: So the reason I read that is because Bret Hart just walks into the ring with a microphone, and I guess it's just time for him to cut a promo. He's like, yeah, they told me I didn't have any time, so uh, I'm just going to take this time right here.
1: You guys weren't paying attention to what was happening in the ring, right? You don't need that.
0: So Bret starts doing his promo, and it should be noted that Hoovy and Evan Courageous are just standing in the ring for this. Because they weren't told this was going to happen.
1: I'm not even surprised.
0: They're there this whole segment. They don't really, like, leave or know what to do. And it's just like, oh, okay.
1: So, like It looked like they were waiting for Brett to finish and then be like, do we, fin- do we continue our match?
0: I think you were waiting for that, too. I
1: was, yeah.
0: So Brett says he came to WCW to fight Hulk Hogan and win the title, but he's only been lied to and complains about backstage politics. Sting's music hits, and it's like, yeah, everyone's still here. Sting with with a bad shirt and bad hair for the segment.
1: Yeah, it's not a good look for him.
0: He talks on the stage and tells Brett that promises do not come true in this business.
1: That's true.
0: (laughs) He also says that Brett's legacy is right here and, and does a suck it chant, which I don't know if that was meant to be like... Shawn Michaels basically killed your legacy or him just telling him to suck it.
1: Oh, I think it's, I got your legacy right here, brother. Your legacy is my dick.
0: He also says that everyone has been screwed, so basically stop complaining. (laughs) He offers Brett a title match tonight. I'm like, "Cool, cool, but why? There's never really a reason given for why. There's really
1: not. And also, fuck the match that was happening, I guess. Yeah. Fuck that. Sting
0: then closes out by saying... It's showtime, folks. Okay,
1: which is not a, a that line is to end. Not a, promo. a good line. Period. It's a bad line for who Sting is as a wrestler. It's a bad line to finish any promo on. It doesn't have the weight that he seems to think that it has. No. It's just a bad gimmick.
0: Yeah, it's, it's bad. Sting, not a good promo.
1: He he has potential to be a good promo though. It's showtime, folks. Not a good line.
0: What about being back and being back in black? I
1: think that's better. I do think that one is better. It's dumb, but it's better. You than can't it's use that showtime, every week,
0: folks. It can be showtime every week. You can't be back every week.
1: Then he needs to start his promos Look, with you're not, showtime. Place.
0: you're not Edge in 2022 who's had about four returns this year so far. He's going to do I'm another one soon. every time. Yeah.
1: Did you see him return on the stairs during the last pay-per-view with the smoke? Amazing.
0: I think he was already back before that.
1: Whatever. It was a good entrance. Who cares?
0: <laughs> he came back for that feud and now he's been written off again. So he's going to do an- another return soon.
1: And I'll probably be hype for that one.
0: So Brett leaves the ring and Courageous and Hoovy are just standing there. But instead we go to commentary. Never mind that match.
1: Never mind that shit. Here comes Mike Tenay.
0: Yeah. So, Tony notes that it's Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara's first show, and they actually hype up some matches for like coming up later in the show. I'm like, good.
1: Yeah, that, as they should.
0: One of those matches is Medusa and Mona, aka Molly Holly, competing in a New York evening gown match.
1: Remember, we're in Philadelphia, not New York.
0: I think this was meant to be like a reference to WWE. Yeah. Or to Vince Russo, because he's from New York. I don't know which, but...
1: That also bothers me so much with Vince Russo's comments about all of his fucking bigotry and racism. He's from New York, which is arguably the most diverse city in the continental United States. What?
0: So commentary throws to Mike Tanay, but then have to do an ad read first, and then it goes to Mike Tanay. <laughs> Tanay tries to interview Sid, but Sid declines to comment on advice of counsel. Well, he starts
1: to go off, and then his lawyers are like, no, 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 no. Yo, chill. (laughs) No comment.
0: So also backstage, Goldberg arrives. Cool. Back from commercials, Sid and his lawyers chat about the spear last week, and that's it for that little segment. Let's go to our second match of the night, because there are a lot of matches on this show.
1: Oh, my God. Especially in this first hour.
0: It is Vampiro versus the Disco Inferno, who's the Cruiserweight champion. Vampiro comes out in an ICP jacket, and this match is heel versus heel. Also kind of get used to that because Emily has historically had a hard time with deciphering heels and faces. That's only going to get worse because according to Vince Russo, there's no such thing as heels and faces. Do We agree on that. Everyone's shades of gray.
1: We agree on that. Me and Vince, we connect on one thing.
0: The problem is there at least needs to be character consistency. Oh, well. We then get the raging Cajun, Lash LaRue coming out to do commentary and his accent I had to look up because I'm like, this comes off bad, but maybe I'm just not from that area.
1: Traditionally, Cajun accents are very hard to understand if you're not from the area. Like they have a little, they have a lot of French influence. There's a lot of like, exactly words this, and this, phrases that this are used seem only like that. in you know the Cajun dialect. This is not Cajun. You where did you say that he ended up being from
0: Alabama? Yeah, he's I just mean, southern, not, not terribly far, I think. But
1: but the dialects are incredibly different. Yeah incredibly so if you're saying you're from baton rouge and you're from mobile alabama it's very different
0: when lash comes out disco gets distracted vampiro kicks him and then hits a mule kick vampiro misses a dive from the top rope disco hits a last dance aka stunner and gets the pin that's it this was a two-minute match if that post-match lash larue attacks disco and poses with the title to booze which that's not a good sign because he's supposed to be a face wouldn't know did you know this match was supposed to go 15 minutes
1: no, why?
0: Well, why was it supposed to be 15 minutes or why only go two? Both. They went to the ring ready to do 15 minutes. Uh-huh. Once they were in the ring, it got changed to two minutes.
1: How did they communicate that? The referee. What the fuck?
0: Vampiro is currently undergoing a contract dispute.
1: Oh, so they just, they, they realize that he didn't have like contracted time while he was in the ring?
0: No, no, no. He has contracted time. This is, you don't want to sign your contract. Okay, fuck you.
1: I feel bad for, uh, for Disco.
0: He got paid. <laughs> you, get, but still. You, you, you don't get paid by the minute.
1: <laughs> still.
0: They're negotiating some sort of either like renewal or, or pay discrepancy or something. And speaking of contracts, a bunch of wrestlers, including somebody on this show, were like half released. Okay, cool. We're going to let you go, but we're still going to have you wrestle. We're just going to pay you like 500 bucks per appearance. Oh. Because one of the people who got offered that, who actually just got released, we haven't seen him in months, was Hack.
1: Oh, they released him. Well, I he, thought they released him a long time ago. He got
0: hurt. So we haven't seen him since yeah. the, the, the Junkyard Invitational. Oh, God. But they're like, hey, we want God, you. God, that
1: feels like a year ago. Yeah,
0: it's like, hey, we want you. It might have been in our time. Hey, we want you to wrestle for us, but we're barely going to pay you anything. And he's like, no. Fair. I'm not going to do that.
1: Good for him. And is this when he goes to WWF? Or does he wait for a while?
0: Oh, he doesn't go to WWF until 2006. Oh, shit. Uh, he goes back to ECW.
1: Until it dies.
0: Yeah. And then he just. I think nobody does in the meantime then. hmm. Let's go backstage. Larry Zbysko is there interviewing Goldberg.
1: So here's my thing. As soon as I, like, Mike Tenay, I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. As soon as Larry Zbysko came on screen, I got very worried for Gene.
0: Well, Gene just apparently signed a new contract.
1: But for what? I don't know. They took his job. Everything that Mike Tenay and Larry Zbysko are doing backstage, that's what Gene does in the ring.
0: I don't think they plugged the hotline.
1: They did not. I, I was very concerned for Gene's job security.
0: Larry's interviewing Goldberg. Goldberg just doesn't seem concerned about the spear last week and just like, yeah, I'm still getting my match. It's like, no, like right now, y- you're potentially not. You need to be worried about this.
1: Eh, he's fine. This is the most of the backstage we've ever seen. Yes. And it continues. Like we get a whole, if I wanted to like build out a blueprint, I probably could.
0: We then get another video package for seven. Yeah, a child's playing in his room and Seven visits his his bedroom again.
1: I still don't get the creepy pedophilic vibe.
0: I think it's just a strange man floating down from the sky, but kind of asking to be invited into a child's bedroom.
1: I don't get pedophile. I get horror movie. Okay. I get like- That's what they're going for. I get monster under the bed. Okay. Like, I'm not getting pedophile.
0: I asked you to keep an eye out for who you think that is. You still don't know. Well,
1: he's got a mask that covers his entire face. It's face paint. Is it really? It yeah. looked like a plastic mask. It's face paint. I mean, it looks like Kane, but it is not Kane. Is it fucking Brian Adams? Is it somebody <laughs> no. from the NWO Black and White? No, is it's it somebody it... that I don't know their name.
0: No, it's someone you know. It's somebody who is. Is not... it someone
1: that you think I know the name of, but I probably don't? Oh, it's
0: someone you absolutely know. But oh God. we'll see them, you know, in the upcoming weeks. And go back to backstage. Mike Tenay interviews Medusa. She's not thrilled about her evening gown match, and she's like, "No, you know, I'm not doing it." Okay. Um, she will be doing it. No one twists her arm. We don't see anything of like that. It's just like. I don't want to do it. And then I does do it anyway. I do
1: respect her for this. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah, she's absolutely right. Again.
0: Her thing is, I came here to like kick ass and be a wrestler. Not this bullshit. Yeah. Which, yeah, fair You're fair. You're right. We then go to the Nitro Girl search and fuck yes, Stacey Keebler's here.
1: So we get Mean me Gene in the ring with the girls already. And Kimberly is there too, right? Yes. Yeah. Everything's just happening so fast. Yes. Again, we have already seen two matches, 17 backstage segments, and we're only, what, 20 minutes into the show?
0: We paused at one point, it we're 22 minutes into the file, we're like, oh my god.
1: And now we're getting zoomed through the Nitro Girl search, which again is bizarre because we know this is the one that yields the winner.
0: So, Emily, who do we have this week?
1: We have Chiquita and Stacy.
0: And what can you tell me about each of them? Chiquita, Besides the fact that Stacy wins. But.
1: Chiquita, I really respect this woman. She's a trained dancer, and her whole video package is basically can I have a job? Yeah. <laughs> I want a job. I'm a dancer. Here's my background. Can I, can, I job? Yes?
0: You got very sad watching Stacy's.
1: Stacy's not a good dancer, guys. Stacy's really not good. But she's from Baltimore! No, she's not. She literally said Stacy Keebler from Baltimore, Maryland.
0: Emily, she's the Duchess of Dudleyville. She's, she's not from Baltimore.
1: She's from Baltimore.
0: And what's her, what's her thing besides having legs for days?
1: Couldn't tell you. <laughs> she, Dances, she likes wrestling. I had no personality uh, coming out of her, uh, I'm
0: so sorry. Unlike other people, she did not mention any wrestlers. Like Even Mm. the one that was like, I remember Dusty Rhodes. It was like
1: a tag on at the end. She's like, I love to dance, I love to compete, and I love wrestling.
0: And she's a former Ravens cheerleader.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that.
0: And for some reason, after the video packages, they're telling you how to vote, and we get Buff Bagwell interrupting.
1: If you wanted to take a breath during these first 25 minutes of the show, sorry suffocate because none of these can breathe
0: yeah Tony notes that this isn't on, on his format and the line that for some reason broke you buff tells the ladies to step aside and to not touch him
1: I, it made no sense he's the he's buff he's the stuff you'd think that all these ladies he'd kind of want to be like Scott Steiner all these enough. women all over him they can't get enough you know of buff
0: they can't get he has to ration he, they can't oh, get God. enough he only has so much stock
1: all these women are coming up to him like a little orphan like please buff can I have some stuff <laughs> No, none for you.
0: So Buff is here to brag about being the writer's new favorite and also claims to be the chosen one. So
1: that's going to change later in the show.
0: Yeah. he's a Harry Potter gimmick now.
1: I am the chosen one.
0: And apparently it's all over the internet.
1: Again, I really wish I had the internet in 1999. I was five years old. I I really wish I had it. I
0: don't even think that it is. I think (laughs) this is just like,
1: but we will never know because all of those websites are so bugged and glitched now. I've tried to go on the Wayback Machine and see this stuff. You can't really see anything because everything is just gone.
0: So Buff tells Gene to step aside, and he's going to shine because it's all in the stroke.
1: It just sounds phallic. Oh, it is. Oh, okay. It's it's meant to be both. Okay, because that's the whole thing later. Like, can we talk about stroke? I'm like, are you talk about your penises? Yeah
0: it's it's a it's a mix of double entendre and actually having backstage power, influence or whatever inadvertently this does actually really set up something later but it
1: does good storytelling I guess
0: yeah we'll uh, we'll see Buff a little later on in a much different mood then go backstage
1: oh my god they take a
0: shot every time we say backstage <laughs> take a
1: deep no don't you'll die
0: Larry interviews Mona and Mona's like yeah I mean I'm fine with the match I'm used to wrestling in an evening gown which yeah, I mean fair
1: she has the advantage I mean yeah she's always in an evening gown yeah she's
0: like I'm up for the match I'm like okay yeah, good for her additionally backstage Kimberly is looking for David Flair Why? I don't know. Let's stay backstage. Sid questions his lawyers about, like, what do you do? And, like, so I'm paying you this much an hour. And then, so what do you two do? And that's a separate charge. (laughs) And then we see Goldberg taping up his wrists in a separate room.
1: So many backstage segments.
0: Let's go to a tag team title match. It's Harlem Heat versus Rey Mysterio and Conan of the Filthy Animals. Conan does his Spanglish promo and actually remembers to say rowdy rowdy twice this time.
1: Yes. He does it correctly.
0: Booker T and Stevie Ray come out, and Booker has new gear. He's now in trunks. I don't like it. No?
1: No. I don't like the trunks looks, the undies. I don't like the undies. I don't, anybody, really. Because it's just too much leg. I don't want to see that much man leg. I don't like it. Put your pants on.
0: Booker and Ray start, and I'm like, oh. and then immediately Stevie Ray tags in. And I'm like, oh.
1: <laughs> Literally, those two noises he made were in real time. He did that.
0: Stevie overpowers Ray. And then Ray does his fake 619 for no reason. Awful. Like he literally stops, run towards the rope and does like a whole spin. I'm like, why? And it's
1: basically the spin but worse?
0: Yeah. Stevie clotheslines him to the floor. Good. We then get Billy Kidman, Eddie Guerrero, and Tori Wilson in a mink coat. Just Tori in the m- mink coat, not all three in one Can coat. Can you imagine? Oh, I-, I, was, I was saying like on each other's shoulders, just in one oh. big coat.
1: <laughs> yes. They
0: come out to ringside and completely derail commentary.
1: Yeah, Kidman calls out Tony Schiavone for being a horn dog, basically.
0: And Tony just starts corpsing throughout the whole fucking thing. They're like, "Why aren't you calling the match? Come on!"
1: There was some note on commentary about Tony pitching a tent. I can't remember exactly what was before and after that, yeah. but uh.
0: Conan hits a DDT on Booker and Ray hits a lion salt. Then get a rolling clothesline from Conan to Booker, bookend to Conan, and then a scissor kick. Kidman and Eddie just continue to taunt commentary. We then cut to the first family watching backstage. They just really don't want you to watch this match. No. They get a bear hug to Conan. This is where Tony starts corpsing, sending for the man. Harlem sidekick to Conan. Stevie hits a power slam. Ray comes in and, and, and gets thrown around. For some reason, Booker T starts brawling with Eddie Guerrero and Billy Kidman. So they're on the floor. Stevie Ray has Rey Mysterio on his shoulders. Conan trips him up. And the two just like simultaneously pin Stevie Ray and win the titles. Like, I think Conan was supposed to be hidden, but it was just such such a mess that I'm like...
1: I have so many half-written notes for this match because, like, things were happening so fast, I had to move on to the next thing.
0: Yeah, new tag team champions, the Filthy Animals.
1: Woo! And this is the first time we're seeing Tori out publicly with Billy Kidman.
0: Yes. Which makes sense, because it was broadcast on television last week. Get a clue. Yeah. But we'll see a lot more of the fucking Filthy Animals later.
1: Yeah. Hey, by the way, do you know they're a heel?
0: Even here, they're, like, kind of heel.
1: Oh, they they are heels later. Yeah. Don't forget it.
0: Then go backstage, and for some reason, Kimberly wants to sleep with David Flair. Why? It's like, DDP's out of town.
1: I'm so lonely.
0: And I thought that was bullshit. DDP's not on this show.
1: I was really expecting DDP to come out and, like, jump David in their hotel room or something.
0: I don't think it's happened yet, but Ready to Rumble is going to start filming soon, and he has oh. a prominent role in that movie, so...
1: We are going to watch that, right?
0: Yes, yes. When we get to that in the timeline. So she gives David Flair her room key. Then we go elsewhere backstage, and Mike Tanay interviews the filthy animals about winning the tag titles. I don't even know what the hell they said because we were focused on, for some reason, Stacy Keebler is like in the background of the celebration. Yeah,
1: they're like <laughs> celebrating with, you know, the filthy animals. They pour the cooler on the tag champs, whatever. It's great. And then they just kind of like slowly pan to the left, and you see very clearly Stacy Keebler is behind Tori. I'm like, Stacy?
0: We did not see if the other girl Hello? was
1: there. Hello? <laughs> I'm like, I hope Chiquita was there, because that's not fair.
0: Yeah, the first family interrupt and nothing of note is said.
1: Nope. I was very much focused on Stacy Keebler.
0: All right, you have, an, you have a new job. I, I count this as match number four.
1: Oh, God, okay.
0: Start keeping track of the match numbers, because...
1: This coming match is four? Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> match number four in the night is Meng versus Hugh Morris. Sorry, who? Humorous. Yeah. Like, why would you do this? You're you you you're trying to build him up for a tag title match. Why why feed him to Meng?
1: Because why not? Because he Morris kind of sucks. I don't know. They both aren't great.
0: So Morris hits strikes early on, but like trying to hit Bulldoze on a Zapdos, it has no effect. Wow, you
1: got one in. I'm shocked. I'm shocked you had enough time to even think about Pokemon during the show. Well,
0: I mean, here's the thing. Zapdos, electric type, you would think ground move, good move. But no, it's part flying, so it has an immunity. <laughs> Just let it sit, not even... So Hugh
1: Morris is, like, visibly afraid of Meng in this match.
0: This is a gimmick.
1: I'm moving on. Fuck your Pokemon references.
0: Meng chops the hell out of Morris. And then the two do, like, boxing for some reason. Both of us were like, why? It
1: seemed like they were stalling.
0: I think they were. Because Meng chokes Morris in the corner, and then Scott Hall and Kevin Nash arrive. Hall is in a very shiny shirt.
1: I want it. So badly. Listeners of Butts in the Seats, if you can find... I'm not even asking you to buy it for me. If you can find a link to the shirt that Scott Hall is wearing, I will wear it every day of my goddamn life. I will buy it. I don't care how much it costs.
0: Hugh Morris hits a diving elbow and Hall and Nash are milking their entrance and Morris has to hit a second one. <laughs> Meng is suddenly up and locks in a Tongan neck grip and pins Hugh Morris for the win.
1: Wait, is a Tongan neck grip or death grip?
0: I guess it's both. How about I, the death grip? I think they alternate. Okay. It's the same thing. It's it's, it's where it grabs.
1: Yeah, I, I just always thought it was called Tongan Death Grip.
0: I'm wondering if standards and practices occasionally is just like, okay, you can't call it death or whatever. Ugh. I don't know. Yeah, this was a match.
1: Sure was. You know,
0: I, I don't know what you are meant to take away from it. I guess, you know. Literally,
1: the outsider's arriving. That's it. That's the point of this match. This is So the first hour of this show is not focused on wrestling. It is focused on establishing who is here. The The matches are circumstantial
0: then go backstage Sid and his lawyers are heading towards the ring and we go to commercial goldberg takes note of this which is a thing i'm fine with but they just did it so often where it's like hey before we go to commercial you know sid's headed towards the ring so that's coming up and like a reason to stay tuned but they did that like eight times tonight and i'm like it kind of lost a little bit of its
1: vince russo does not want anyone to forget That, like, there is a show happening and something exciting could happen. Don't stop watching because something might happen. Something's cool. Yeah. Don't look away. Don't look away for a second. Don't flip to their channel. Don't do it.
0: I read something of, like, do not keep a hold on for more than 15 seconds. Pretty much. So back from commercials, Sid goes to the ring. We get a shot of Hall and Nash. And in previous weeks, they were double fisting beers. Emily, what do they have this week? (laughs) It's
1: really concerning. I'm not happy about it because it becomes a whole thing later on. They're double fisting cough syrup. Yes. Which is not cool. Is Hall
0: even drinking it? I think it's just Nash. He does later. Okay.
1: Oh, he does later. Oh,
0: true. He does later. But it's mostly Nash at the night.
1: But they're trying to play it off like Kevin Nash has the sniffles or a cold or like that becomes part of the story. Like, I'm not feeling well. Give me my medicine. But he's just drinking it like it's a drink. And cough syrup in cocktails, like scissor, that's a very common thing. That's not cool. It's very, very dangerous. And for someone like Scott Hall who has a well-known and well-documented drinking problem to just be, like, doing this? Not fun to watch.
0: I don't think it was shoot cough syrup.
1: I don't know, man. The implication is also not great. Even if it's not cough syrup, I know it's not just water.
0: So Sid's in the ring, tells his lawyers to come out. I don't know why they couldn't enter with him. Like, we're trying to cut all this fucking time off this show and to give the lawyers an entrance. Right. Sid then shouts over Goldberg, Chance, and he goes a very long way to say the match isn't happening and tears up the contract. Well, with nothing to lose, Goldberg runs out and spears a lawyer, and the, the dude's head like hits the bottom rope. It looked rough on the way down.
1: Yeah, luckily it hit the rope. It didn't hit the turnbuckle nor the floor, so like, ow, but like, you're going to be okay. You can well, get right back up.
0: The floor wouldn't have been as bad. It's a matter of, it's the whiplash of being thrown to the ground.
1: He stood up pretty quickly, Yeah, so we're okay.
0: They then get a big boot to Goldberg, and Sid powerbombs him and lays him out, which I think they did call a jackknife. And I'm like, no, that's, that's just Kevin Nash's powerbomb.
1: We got no mention of the streak tonight. True. No numbers. We have no idea what number Sid is on. No. Wow.
0: Something tells me in the pay-per-view he'll be at 173.
1: Oh, 100%. If not higher.
0: But Sid grabs the mic after the powerbomb, and apparently the match will happen. And Sid will kick his ass. And he actually says that twice.
1: I'm going to kick your ass. Also, I'm going to kick your ass.
0: Yeah, so that matches on. Um, in a kind of confusing bit, Goldberg is selling this like death. He then goes to the outside and the outsiders taunt him. So Goldberg just clocks him and then security breaks it up and escorts the outsiders out of the building. And Goldberg goes back to selling at this point.
1: Yeah, I don't get it.
0: We follow Hall and Nash getting kicked out of backstage for like three full minutes.
1: Yeah, we follow them all the way to the back parking lot the entire way. That's why I'm saying like I could build a blueprint of the backstage area because I yeah. saw everything, every nook and cranny.
0: Well, we'll get more of these guys in about 45 seconds. Yeah, exactly. And then go backstage. Mike oh is Oh my God. Do we <laughs>
1: ever leave backstage?
0: Is interviewing Bret Hart and Bret kind of notes like, yeah, I don't really know why um, Sting is giving me a title shot, but I'm not, I'm not looking at a gift horse in the mouth. So. He's like,
1: I want Hogan.
0: Bret says if he wins the title, yeah, I figure the pay-per-view, I'll face, I'll face Hogan. Sting interrupts and the two brawl for like a split second until security breaks it up.
1: In case you were missing uh Holland Nash, we're going back to him.
0: Yep, they're still being kicked out. They pass by a forklift and Nash is like, This is our rent a car.
1: This is my ride. I rented that.
0: Still backstage, Goldberg is looking for Sid. Then we go to match number five. Correct. It is Berlin with the wall versus Rick Steiner. Yes, because Berlin Why? will save this. Why are we doing another heel versus heel? And two heels you're trying to push as well.
1: Who needs a heel face dynamic?
0: Berlin blindsides Steiner, but it does not face Steiner. Like, that's the one thing I've learned is do not try to sneak up on Rick Steiner. He will not sell for you. In the time between your first punch and second punch, he will have hit 17 punches. Yes. Berlin poses and gets a little too cocky and Steiner clotheslines him. Steiner runs Berlin's stomach into the turnbuckle and then dumps him onto the floor. Brad Armstrong runs down to the ring, through the ring for some reason. (sighs) Steiner is rightfully annoyed about this and like locks in a sleeper on Brad Armstrong.
1: And then he hits him with a chair, doesn't he?
0: No, the wall goes to swing a chair at Brad Armstrong, but it's the one thing they didn't want to happen. Actually, I guess they didn't really care about this happening. Because Brad Armstrong ducks the chair shot from the wall and it hits Rick Steiner. Berlin then pins Rick Steiner and bails like up the ramp. Brad Armstrong kind of goes to console Rick Steiner like, oh, you know, you okay? So Steiner just beats the shit out of him. (laughs) I'm like, man, I'm really really looking forward to uh, Berlin versus Brad Armstrong at the pay-per-view. Yeah? This is a weird match.
1: They're all weird matches. They all make no sense. They're all so fast. And if you even try to think about them for more than 10 seconds, you've already missed the next segment.
0: I wouldn't want to miss backstage. Hall and Nash are sneaking back in and they pull out more cough syrup. Then go to the hotel. Kimberly gets into the elevator. I think back from commercial, we go into the hotel room and Kimberly arrives and someone's in the bathroom. And I think I immediately called what th- what this was going to be.
1: Yeah, I guess you did. But she kind of notes that there's, you know, champagne and strawberries set up. She's got her lingerie on. Her titties are out, basically. <laughs> she looked good.
0: Yeah, she took off her, like, j- jacket or...
1: Robe, whatever. Whatever,
0: and was in lingerie. And you were like, okay.
1: What I, what I love is... Both her and, spoiler, Tori have, like, one-piece lingeries on, and I think they look so nice. I want one.
0: Yeah, so her game plan is to drug David Flair, and the bathroom door opens, and it's Ric Flair. In
1: rare form.
0: Yeah. He basically just kind of pitches, like, have sex with me, and then we just cut away.
1: We have no idea what happens. I'm like, why were you cutting from that? Do not cut. Go back.
0: We cut away to Goldberg, like, where's Sid?
1: Of course, because in case you forgot, Goldberg is still here.
0: Yeah, we get an ICP sighting as well, and Goldberg just beats the shit out of him. Because apparently they say, Sid left.
1: Yeah, they tell Goldberg that Sid left. And they, he goes spoilers for the,
0: for the rest of the show. He does. So they swer- lying. Swerve, he doesn't show back up.
1: They weren't lying.
0: I, I just want to let you know now, Chekhov's gun is not a thing for Vince Russo. It's almost the opposite. What do you mean? If something is entirely set up, like... Hogan's not here. Hogan's definitely not going to show up. Hogan definitely won't show up. Hogan's not showing up. Right. Because he knows, like, oh, you expect him to show up now. Swerve. Ah, fool. Yeah. So, Goldberg continues on his warpath. Let's go elsewhere backstage. Larry Zbysko interviews The Total Package and Miss Elizabeth. In a straightforward yet entirely confusing promo, The Total Package is, is talking about facing Goldberg and is trying to pretend and fail that he's not terrified of facing Goldberg but he's not a good enough promo to do this. It
1: just sounds so like it, he didn't know that he was cutting a promo and had to like think it up on the spot. And he was very bad at that. Yes. <laughs> That's what it felt like to me.
0: Yeah. It, it's somewhere between where it's like, I got what you were going for and you kind of pulled it off, but I don't blame you for just going, okay, well, he's not a good promo because he's yeah, not, but he's, well, he's not. So that'll actually be our main event tonight, even though it uh, probably shouldn't be Yeah. back from commercial. We get a split screen of Mona and Medusa getting ready for their match. We then get 2001 Space Odyssey music hitting, and we were like... Aren't you busy? Yeah, but instead, it's David Flair in a shiny robe. He'll be facing Billy Kidman, who comes out with Tori.
1: I was so pumped for this match. As soon as Billy Kidman came out, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, it's on, dude. Let's go.
0: So Kidman and Tori kiss to start the match to taunt David. I love that. And Kidman just beats the shit out of David for this whole fucking match. I
1: love that.
0: We get a scoop slam and a vaulting leg drop. David actually does get some offense in this match. He hits a suplex to Kidman and then um, definitely hits something.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I don't know what. he um, Somewhere between a suplex, a DDT, and a hip toss. He just kind of like throws Kidman in a way where like, I don't know what you were going for, but you didn't.
1: I didn't see that so much as like a botch as just David's a bad wrestler. Those two things
0: are synonymous. Not
1: necessarily. Like, a botch implies that he had a plan. I'm not, I don't think he had a plan.
0: Fair. Kidman hits a second rope leg drop to David. Then get a DDT to Kidman and Tori gets out in the ring apron and distracts David Flair with sexy lingerie.
1: Yeah, she like opens her mink robe for a second and it's this like one piece blue thing that looks so good. I want it.
0: And then I put this mostly on David because he turns around into a horrendous looking sky high.
1: Oh yeah, it's real bad.
0: But to make up for that, Billy Kidman goes up top and... Um, I
1: don't think I'll call this making up for it. David didn't injure Billy.
0: So for newer listeners, I hate Billy Kidman shooting star press. I find it terrifying every time he does it because for every like th- four good ones, there's one like this where he does the shooting star press and just knees David Flair right in the cheek.
1: Like, hard. Yeah.
0: Like, his hand immediately goes to his face. Both like, ow. Both of us
1: yelped. And we are not David Flair fans, but we were both like, oh my god, is he okay?
0: The filthy animals come out immediately after and just start dogpiling and stomping David Which, Flair.
1: I'm like, guys, give him a minute. They, yeah. He just got fucked. Like, can we, like, let him breathe? Get him an ice pack and then beat him up.
0: Yeah. Big heel energy on this. Because, like, he didn't do anything. No, he
1: didn't do anything. Like <laughs> That fact is, like... David Blair did nothing wrong. Billy Kidman stole his girl.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then jumped <laughs> and then him. Jumped
1: him. Got him and his buddies to jump the guy whose girl he stole.
0: And I'm not sure, but the filthy animals theme might be dubbed because like well, they're
1: it's doing race. It's race theme. It, yeah,
0: it, it, but that's now basically become the filthy animals yeah. theme. But like they're doing moves, and there's no like ring noise.
1: I don't know. You noticed that more than I did. I had no notice of that.
0: So thoughts on this match?
1: So here's my thing. As Billy and David came down to the ring, I immediately wrote down, oh, best bit contender for this for the premise. I was like, I love this. Yes, 100%. Do it. The match was bad. It was a bad match. Yeah. Bad botches. Like, it hurt. It's a hard match to watch, but, like, I love the idea of it. So yeah. I'm very conflicted by this match. I love that Kidman came down and gave Tori a big old smooch and then kept looking back to her and talked shit about David before the match started. I love that.
0: Related to that kid, I did not think it was weird that, like, Man kisses his girlfriend, and commentary is like, "Whoa, hava hava!" It's like,
1: yeah, because they're horn dogs.
0: Ugh. So where do you want to go next, Emily?
1: We should check in on what a uh, um Hall and Nash are doing.
0: Okay, you know it's been five minutes. It's
1: been it's been long enough.
0: Whenever Hall and Nash aren't on the screen, we should be asking, "Where's Hall and Nash?"
1: That's, yeah, you're right.
0: They look for Goldberg and find Mean Gene, and Nash just straight up is like, "Want some Nyquil?"
1: I know it's a lot, but I, I'm starting to kind of find them charming. I think this is funny. I know that, like, the drinking of the NyQuil is bad. Don't condone that. But them together is just funny. Yeah. So, and we, know. They're being sneaky, boys, and I think it's great.
0: And we did continue watching the Thunder before this, and I heard you chuckle a few times at Kevin Nash commentary.
1: I fucking hate Kevin Nash, but God damn it, I love Kevin Nash.
0: You hate Kevin Nash the wrestler.
1: I love Kevin Nash the person. I think about this quite often, because Nash still does a lot of, um, like, con appearances in 2022. Yeah. And every once in a while, I think about, like, if I were to go meet him, what would I say to Kevin Nash? Would I be like, I fucking hate you or, oh my God, you're amazing. What would I say? I just don't know. I think I'd have to wait for the moment.
0: I feel like we're breezing through this, but I still have three full pages of notes.
1: My scroll just keeps I'm on scrolling. like.
0: I'm at like three and a half pages of seven right now. You go back from commercial... Ric Flair arrives backstage, and now it's time for Mona versus Medusa in our New York evening gown match. This
1: is match number seven.
0: Medusa's not wearing an evening gown.
1: Oh, yeah. Hold on. Let's think about this. You just said you have four pages of notes left. We are on match number seven already. Holy shit, man.
0: But yeah, what is Medusa wearing, Emily?
1: Medusa is basically wearing like an athletic dress, for lack of a better term. It's like a cozy dress. It's a cloth material. She's wearing a Tommy Hilfiger dress. It's like down to her knees, basically. It's cloth. It looks very comfortable. It's I was thinking more Gap like... or
0: Old Navy, honestly. I'm
1: pretty sure, because I think I saw the red and white um, rectangle emblem oh, okay. on her chest. and I'm, That is Tommy Hilfiger. Yeah. But it just looks comfy. It just looks like an athletic dress. Yeah.
0: So this is probably our third WCW women's match on the podcast, I think.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: I, th- I think Mona and Medusa each got one. And then, because they were supposed to have a match, I think it like Road Wild.
1: Oh yeah, and then that never happened.
0: Yeah, they just dropped it. Medusa has a bad theme.
1: I don't even remember it, which is, you know, saying a lot. But I don't remember Mona's theme either.
0: Yeah, Mona's was forgettable. Medusa's just didn't fit. It was going for a way more sexy oh, vibe. Oh, it was like and,
1: whispery. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was bad. Mona hits a snap suplex and then, hit, and then a diving cross body. And afterwards, Medusa hits a snap suplex of her own. We get a double leg drop to the legs of Mona from Medusa at an interesting spot. And then a single slap. It was like, oh. Like, like I like knocked Mona down. Like, eh. Yeah. Mona ducks a kick and the kick hits the ref. Get a bridging German suplex from Medusa, who I guess seemed to be going for a pin, but there's no pins in this.
1: Yeah, because this is about who can strip who of their dress first. Yeah,
0: the ref was down, and the, and it's not a pinfall match. It's not so, a pinfall match. Yeah.
1: That being said, though, this is the best wrestling we've seen so far in the show. Yeah. We don't see women's matches, and the premise of this is dumb, but this is the best wrestling we've seen since the beginning of the, like, since the show started. Which is
0: sad. Medusa grabs a chair and hits Mona across the back. Medusa goes to the outside, fixes her top, and then yells a commentary. This distracts her enough to have Mona strip her, and the ref calls for the bell. It doesn't ring, just making the, the end of this even rings. more awkward.
1: And they just, like, slump to the back.
0: Yeah, Medusa says that everyone can kiss her ass.
1: I kind of respect her. I respect Medusa in this match. She's pissed that she has to do it. Yeah. And she's pissed that she lost.
0: Yeah, I mean, say what she will about the concept of the match, but I actually do think it helped get... Medusa 's character over: oh yeah, as much as we complained about the the bridging German kind of pin thing, you could make the case of like it's her going, yeah, I could pin her that's what wrestling's about.
1: i 'm a wrestler
0: yeah
1: i 'm doing the wrestling, yeah, I respect it.
0: so let's go front stage, oh I 'm sorry, backstage. His Sting is pacing and then heads towards the ring and Brett is also headed towards the ring.
1: Tell me why we had to go backstage for this. Just tell to, me why.
0: Just to tell you that that match is up next. What do we have
1: commentary for?
0: In match number eight or
1: eight,
0: nine? Eight. It's our WCW title match, not the main event.
1: This is the, like the mid-event. This is like the midpoint of the show on our file.
0: I think we're saying this is the like second hour main event. And reminder that the first hour is unopposed. And then the second two hours, Raw's on.
1: What the fuck, man.
0: But it's Sting versus Bret Hart for the WCW title. And don't know why, Bret comes out from the side for some reason. Doesn't go down the main the main stage.
1: Doesn't feel like going up the stairs.
0: Bret starts aggressive and the two brawl around ringside. Bret works over the legs and stomach of Sting, but Sting hits a scoop slam and a run, running splash. They go back outside and Sting chokes Bret with a camera cable. Bret gets his knees up for a Vader bomb from Sting and Bret hits a DDT.
1: You know what we haven't said in a while? DQ? Like, the choking? Is that DQ?
0: He actually let up within five seconds, so... I
1: guess. Still.
0: We get a swinging neck breaker and a leg drop from Brett, and then he hits a suplex, but gets whipped hard afterwards into the turnbuckles, and Sting hits a stinger splash. Sting pulls Brett crotch first into the ring post twice, and back in the ring, Brett starts getting fired up, but Sting hits a knee to the gut and then an elbow drop. Sting rakes the eyes, hits an atomic drop, and goes for a drop kick, but Brett stops short and hits elbows on Sting. Brett hits a pile driver, but Sting kicks out. I think Brett always wants it to be a more dramatic near fall.
1: Yeah. Like he doesn't
0: pin anybody with that. No, never has. He just needs to pin some lower level guys with it.
1: Yeah. So, commentary also took this opportunity to talk about other stuff that was going on backstage. And they bring up, you know, Goldberg looking for Sid.
0: How can there be anything else going on backstage? We've seen everything.
1: You're fucking right. But they're recapping basically what we saw. So, they're talking about how um, Goldberg's looking for Sid. And the ICP tell Goldberg that Sid left. And Tony just can't wrap his head around that. Tony just says, why would the clowns lie to Goldberg? To which Bobby responds, well, why are they clowns? Like, (laughs) these are the good questions. Bobby's got the good questions tonight. I don't get to hear a lot of commentary for the show because, again, so much is happening. You don't really have enough brain space to focus on more than what your eyes can see. But when I hear commentary, I do love them. They really grew on me over the last year.
0: So in a spot, that's a problem for most Bret Hart matches. Bret grabs Sting's legs and spreads them and then just stomps them. And like the entire crowd was like, sharpshooter? Yeah, never. Well, not never.
1: It's always the crotch stomp though. He does the crotch stomp before the sharpshooter like often.
0: Well, he also does the spread the legs and headbutt to the stomach.
1: That too, yeah. The
0: thing is like 30 seconds later, it's like, all right, I'm putting Sting in the sharpshooter. Yeah. But Sting gets the ropes. Get a backbreaker to Sting, and Sting pokes Brett's eyes during the pin attempt. Sting tries for a suplex, but his back gives out, and Brett lands on top of him. Brett turns his sleeper into a back suplex and gets his knees up for a top rope splash, and then Miss Elizabeth comes out. Get a Russian leg sweep from Brett, followed by a Brett's rope elbow drop, and then we get the total package coming down to the ring with the baseball bat. Who? The total package. (laughs) That is now his legal name.
1: I know. Show me the documentation.
0: Liz distracts the ref as Brett tries to fight off both men, but Package hits him in the shin with the baseball bat. Package. <laughs> For what it's worth, Kevin Nash did call him Package multiple times on commentary. And, uh, oh, yeah, he, on thunder.
1: He's a, a consummate professional.
0: As am I. We get a scorpion deathlock to Brett, and Brett immediately taps, which I was fine with. It's one of those kind of like, one, your leg is killing you, two, yeah. live to fight another day kind of thing. Yeah. So Sting wins, still WWE champion. I thought this was a g- good match.
1: It was. It was definitely a good match. Do you think that Brett will demand a rematch, though? Because he knows that it was interfered?
0: I mean, I assume so. I mean, he also kind of seems next up for, you know, the main event scene. Yeah. I think I would like this match more if it wasn't so close to the Bret Hart-Chris Benoit match, because I'm, like, still riding the high from that. And, frankly, we're stockpiling episodes right now, so we watched that one more recently than... um,
1: Like, less than a week ago.
0: Yeah, than, than the release schedule would imply. Well, no, this, this was somewhere between a good match and a very good match. Oh, definitely. You know, it's Sting and Bret Hart. They're going to do Definitely, good.
1: probably one of the best matches on the card thus far. Yeah. It's not a really, you know, high bar to clear, but.
0: So about f- 15 seconds after Brett taps, we go backstage. It's an immediate cut. Rick yeah. Rick Flair finds David Flair, and uh, David tells him that Billy Kidman and his friends beat him up.
1: Basically, David is tattling to his dad that some guy was mean to him. That's what this was.
0: I don't know how much of it was tattling because Rick's it's like, tattling. Rick's like, we're gonna go fucking party. What are you moping for? And like, want to go B-B-B-O. beat him. So Rick says they have work to do and kind of heads somewhere because he doesn't come out to the ring for a little while.
1: It's implied that he's going after the filthy animals. Yeah, yeah.
0: Let's stay backstage. Hall and Nash just keep wandering.
1: Sneaky's got a sneak.
0: We go to commercial and when we come back. They've put on Luchador Mass.
1: Oh God! And now they're looking for Senor Goldberg.
0: Yeah, Nash is fucked up.
1: <laughs> it's funny. I'm sorry. I, it, should, it shouldn't be funny, but it's really funny.
0: Let's go to our uh, our Vince Russo match of the night. It is Laparca versus Buff Bagwell. Apparently, on Thunder, Buff turned on Laparca for some reason.
1: Yeah, they were partnering in a tag match, and Buff just turned on him. Yeah. No, no reason why.
0: There was a national line of commentary about about that match on Thunder, talking about um the total package not wanting to wrestle Laparca. He's afraid of skeletons. <laughs> So Buff comes out looking very pouty.
1: So pouty.
0: We were joking that that it's a Harry Potter gimmick now. This is the one where they all get very um, angsty.
1: Oh, this is um, Order of the Phoenix.
0: Okay. Oh, good. That's the one I like the least, so that makes sense.
1: You need to read the fucking book because you think that he's pouty in the movie. Oh, my God. Reading the fifth book as an adult, I fucking hate Harry. Harry Potter is the worst character in Harry Potter. Bar none. I could go on.
0: So Buff just kind of wrestles sarcastically is the best way I can describe <laughs> his style here. <laughs> yeah. He spitefully arm drags Laparca and just continues to pout. He gets vaulted into the turnbuckle and then, dr- and then drop toe holds Parka into the second turnbuckle. And then he does a very sarcastic buff taunt and literally like tells Parka to kick him. LeParka does it and, and pins him much to commentary's surprise. Buff immediately stands up and we get a, a shot backstage of more or less the boys being like, holy shit, Leparka beat Buff.
1: Yeah, like you don't really get backstage looks at the rest of the card cheering someone on. Like, it was a weird cool. it's a
0: weird group.
1: It was weird. Like Norman Smiley was there. Was
0: it, like, and, like the Filthy Animals were there. Yeah. Buff then goes over to the commentary desk and says, "Hey, Russo, did I do a good job for you? Who else can beat me? Maybe you want to come down here and beat me." And I'm like,
1: "God. Oh my god. It's you're the, so in. Oh my god. It's the
0: first It's the first Russo Nitro, and we're already starting with this bullshit. Yeah. Oh, is it a work or is it a shoot? I don't know. Buff then goes back in the ring and lays down like, oh, pin me again. And we then get a debut.
1: It did take me a second to know who this was, because you mentioned this wrestler a lot to me just in passing. And relatively recently, I had to look at you and say, Nick, I don't know who that person is. I haven't seen any of this person.
0: Well, Jeff Jarrett is here. He's here with the guitar and just smashes Buff over the head. That was mm-hmm. um, that was fun for me.
1: Was that fun for you? Yes. That feels good for you? Yeah. I'm proud of you.
0: Jeff grabs a mic and notes that he was on pay-per-view last night and tells Buff that he has a stroke right here and grabs his dick.
1: What pay-per-view was the night before this?
0: So, yeah, we need to talk about Jeff Jarrett. Oh, no. Because the last 24 hours have been very eventful for Mr. Jarrett. Oh, no. Jeff Jarrett... Over the past two or three months, has been feuding with China, in a oh. all women should be barefoot and pregnant. Oh no! Woman's place is in the figure four. Oh no! More or less terrorizing the women of uh, of WWF. We actually saw a bit of this on, in our early days of SmackDown. Oh no! So a little bit of an oversight. Jeff Jarrett's contract expired on Saturday. The pay per view was on Sunday. Yes. And so they built up this whole story of China trying to get the Intercontinental title off of Jeff Jarrett. And now Jeff's not under contract and doesn't need to wrestle on the pay-per-view. So he goes to Vince McMahon and says, oh, I'll wrestle, but you are going to pay me. The number has changed a lot over the years. It is in the six figures.
1: Yikes. For one match. For
0: one match. So not to jump ahead, but to totally jump ahead. (laughs) That's the reason why on the first second where Vince had the chance, he fires Jeff Jarrett on live television with the capital G, double O, double oh, N, yeah. double E. Yes. <laughs> and literally until like the last four years or so, you do not bring up Jeff Jarrett on WWE TV. You do not, you know, you don't. Dolph Ziggler did the, did the Jarrett strut hitting somebody with a guitar once and got heat for it. Oh. And it doesn't help that... Apparently the majority of that money that Jared got after holding up Vince went towards the creation of TNA impact. Ah. So Jeff's had a busy uh, 24 hours. Has he? Yes. But he is here and I know he will eventually go on to claim to be the chosen one. So he's pretty much Harry Potter. Yes. And before we move on from the segment, I do want to note that um, when Jeff Jarrett ran out, he did run past La doing his dance on, on the entranceway. God, I love LaParka. So do I.
1: What a guy.
0: But get used to Jeff Jarrett because that he is one of the guys that Vince Russo wanted to push in WWF. The story has changed over the years why he couldn't, but the leading kind of theory over time was Austin did not want to work with him. Right. Admittedly, I think Jeff Jarrett is a solid hand. I don't see him as like carry the company kind of guy. Yeah. I just realized that you've actually seen him wrestle recently.
1: What did I see
0: him in? Ric Flair's last match.
1: Oh, yeah. Duh. Yeah.
0: Let's continue going backstage. Security tells Holland Nash to leave and Nash pukes, I guess. We cut away from. And they're even... like, yeah, n-
1: no English. Senor Goldberg.
0: Emily, what match number is this?
1: This would be match number 10. We're at 10.
0: It is a three-way dance because it is elimination style. It is Eddie Guerrero versus Chavo Guerrero versus Perry Saturn. Shane Douglas hops on commentary, and this match takes a while to start after we cut to it. We disagreed on this. In my opinion, Shane Douglas has a whole different voice this week on commentary. He, he's not putting the growl in his voice, so he just no, sounds like a lad.
1: He's not putting on his promo voice. He's just a guy. Although, Tony Schiavone looks visibly annoyed that Shane Douglas is there. Like, pissed annoyed. Like, get away from me. I don't want anything to do with you annoyed. Like, I don't blame him.
0: His arm is in a sling, though. Uh, Shane's, not Tony's.
1: <laughs> yes. Shane does actually seem to have a shoot injury of some sort. Yeah, he had surgery
0: on yeah. his arm. Okay. So the match starts and still doesn't. <clears throat> Chavo immediately rolls up Eddie after they make a pact to team up on Perry Saturn. We get a belly-to-belly from Perry to Chavo. We get a rana and tilt a world backbreaker from Eddie. Then a T-bone suplex to Eddie from Perry. And Perry follows that up with a lion salt to Eddie's legs. He's like, man, you kind of just missed.
1: It looked good, though. Like, I like the yeah. I like the look of the lion's salt.
0: Now, this is an elimination match, and for some reason, they're breaking up pins. Yes. A lot. A lot. On commentary, Shane Douglas calls Eddie and Chavo brothers, and no one corrects him. No
1: one corrects him. They are not brothers. No,
0: they are uncle <laughs> and uncle nephew. Uncle and
1: nephew. Just because they're close in age doesn't mean they're brothers. Yeah, you
0: know, Horace Hogan and Hulk Hogan brothers. <laughs> well, I guess they are in a different way, because everyone's Hogan's brother. I,
1: everyone's Hogan's brother, brother. But never forget that Horace is Hulk's dead brother's son. We will never forget that.
0: We got Northern Light suplex from Chavo to Perry, but Eddie breaks up the pin. Why? Eddie suplexes Chavo to the floor and Perry Saturn hits a sidekick to Eddie. Perry starts working over Eddie's arm and throws Eddie onto the ropes in a rough looking spot. Mm -hmm. Perry goes up top and dives onto Chavo on the floor. Eddie vaults onto Perry Saturn on the floor and then throws Chavo into the barricade. Perry Saturn gets up and pushes Eddie into the barricade, too. Back inside, Perry works over the arm again, and Chavo hits a springboard double clothesline onto both men. Nice little spot. Mm -hmm. Both Guerreros leapfrog Perry Saturn, but Perry hits a back springboard elbow onto Chavo after Eddie ducks.
1: I did like the double leapfrog. That was kind of cool.
0: Eddie dropkicks Perry's face and goes up top, but, (laughs) but Chavo stops him. They then try a spot which I don't think had a chance of working in a million years because I don't even know what the hell they were going for. It
1: could have worked if everybody was smaller and it wasn't Perry.
0: Well, they're basically going for the Tower of Doom spot. Yeah, but for some reason, Perry gets onto the second rope. So when Perry goes to fall back, because he's doing it like an electric chair drop style as opposed to a power bomb style, he like lands neck first onto Chavo. I was like, "Holy oh, shit!" Oh yeah, it's
1: terrible.
0: The filthy animals then come out and taunt Shane Douglas. Tori is in different clothes now. Looking cute and cozy. cozy. Perry dives onto the floor like into a chair that Kidman just is like half holding.
1: Yeah, they say that um, Kidman like destroyed Perry with this chair. No, he just kind of booped into it.
0: Chavo Guerrero low blows Eddie. Then the filthy animals surround Shane at the commentary desk. And Shane is yelling about conspiracies and being teamed up on. Chavo hits a rope-assisted suplex to Perry Saturn back inside, and Eddie hits a frog splash on Perry and pins him. Immediately after, Chavo hits a, sp- a springboard tornado DDT and pins Eddie. Yep. Why was this elimination?
1: There's <laughs> absolutely no reason.
0: And before you can even breathe, Chavo just gets hounded by the filthy animals, and they just beat the shit out of him. So, again, <sighs> filthy animals are heels.
1: Never forget it.
0: Thoughts on the match? It really wasn't
1: a bad match overall. Like It was, it was watchable, and it was fun. 4 a match, but it was nuts.
0: Yeah, they're they're still figuring out how to do three-way matches because... They're not hard. I mean, you say that. They're just not that much of a thing in
1: 1999.
0: Okay. We're used to the more modern day, but I mean, I think we, we saw like the first fatal four-way that WWE did at like at Spring Stampede. Mm-hmm. They don't do multi-man matches that, like that. It's it just... It's just, either a
1: tag match or a one-on-one. Yeah, it's
0: just a generally new concept.
1: Yeah, okay. I guess I'll give them that. But it was a fun match to watch. Minus the botch. The botch was terrifying.
0: I think most of the triple threat matches I can think of that have happened in WWE have been like ladder or hardcore matches where you can kind of get away with stuff a little more easy. I was impressed by Chavo in this.
1: Oh yeah. Chavo's a good wrestler. He just yeah. hasn't been given a lot of an opportunity to show that he's a good wrestler. I
0: think it's just he doesn't have the promo the promo he skills. Does not. I don't know why they keep not putting him in Eddie Guerrero's groups. Because if he has someone to like help mm-hmm. ha- like help talk for him, yeah, you can push him a bit more. Oh easily. Let's let's go backstage, why not? Why not? Before we move on, I am getting real sick of the filthy animals coming out during the show,
1: and it's all of them too, which like every single one of them coming out to defend one guy it kind of makes them look weak as opposed to unified. like you need all of these guys on like to back you up, yeah, to make your to make you win,
0: yeah i I'm really hoping that Billy Kidman is the saving grace of this group because I could easily see Vince Russo turning this into like gang kind of thing. Yeah especially with like the kind of beatdowns they're doing. So, I I do not have faith. I'm hoping Kidman, being the white boy of the group um will
1: I don't have faith. We'll
0: stop we'll stop him from doing that. Let's go backstage why not. Goldberg and the total package are getting ready for their match. Don't know why we needed to see this. After that we go to the arena and we see a code pop up on screen, and it, we're both very confused upon seeing this.
1: It looked like a um a glitch. Yes. It looked like they tried to put some sort of subtitle, and it glitched out, and you got like the HTML code as opposed to the actual text that you wanted.
0: But what it actually is is a cheat code for WCW Mayhem where it's like, if you put this code in, you can unlock special matches, which I assume you didn't think anything of this.
1: Not particularly.
0: Because one of the matches is... Disco Inferno versus Lash LaRue. Okay.
1: That you can unlock? Yes.
0: Okay. Mayhem came out a few weeks ago before that match was booked. You can't do patches to N64 cartridges or, or you know, PS... I guess I, guess I don't remember if that's a PS1 game or N64 cartridge. How did they know that match was going to be a thing?
1: Had that match ever happened on, like, Thunder?
0: But, like, it's for Halloween Havoc. At least then you get to lock matches for Halloween Havoc. How weird. I don't I don't know, yeah. I, I, they, must a, have
1: had, they must have planned it. I mean, I guess. or they got lucky and they just picked two guys and all of a sudden they have a match.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It, there were a couple matches like, oh yeah, you unlock this match or this match for Halloween Havoc. And I'm like, okay, I'm <laughs> suspicious. Sus. Let's go to our second to last match of the night. Oh my God. What number is it, Emily? 11. It is Norman Smiley versus Horace Hogan. Uh, Horace Hogan is one of the guys making 500 a night.
1: That makes sense.
0: This is the return of hardcore matches, which I think I correctly predicted. I'm like, yeah, I imagine they're going to bring back the hardcore title and hardcore matches and all that. So,
1: Do they have the title or is it just the match? Because they didn't say anything about the title.
0: No. Technically, Fit Finley is still the hardcore champion. We
1: have not seen Finley in a while. Well, he got hurt. Well, I'm aware, but I'm just saying it's been a while. Yeah.
0: He's due back around this time. But Horace comes out with with a trash can and attacks Norman during his entrance.
1: Norman's... squeals a lot in this match yes like not just screaming but like like a pig he yelps he squeals
0: we don't do grunt of the night but i think norman smiling in this match just kind of is
1: it wasn't even a grunt squeal of the night
0: so yeah horace hits norman over the head twice with the trash can on the outside back inside horace hits a clothesline and then some stomps horace grabs the trash can and, and drop toe holds norman onto it as norman just screams clothesline to the floor Horace hits chair shots to Smiley's back, but Norman throws Horace into the stairs. Norman climbs up them and, and signals for the big wiggle, but Horace low blows him. How dare you? Horace then throws the complete stairs onto Norman Smiley and then throws Norman back inside. I think this is the first time I actually noticed that the WCW stairs are one complete unit and not two, like... Oh, really? Yeah, I, I've, they don't really do that much with the stairs. So I would, they
1: don't. Yeah, WWF does a lot more stair stuff, but yeah, these are all just one piece one, one stair piece.
0: Back inside, Horace grabs a chair and gingerly hits Smiley and puts him on the top rope. And then hits the most casual superplex I've ever seen. Oh, I know. It only gets a two, so Horace grabs a table to no reaction.
1: I thought there was a little bit of a reaction. Uh,
0: barely. It's not a, hey, table. It was just like a, eh.
1: uh, table.
0: Yeah, like, people oh. fucking love a table.
1: But Horace set it up, so you know what must happen.
0: He set it up, but, like, didn't extend any of the legs. Like, there's a way to set up a table. He did not he do it properly. Do it. <laughs>
1: But as I like to say, he who sets it up must go through.
0: Yeah, Norman ducks a chair shot, which bounces off the ropes and hits Horace in the face. Horace then runs at Norman, who dodges him, and Horace crashes through the table.
1: Thus fulfilling the prophecy.
0: Norman then basically like kicks Horace's dead body, like, is he moving? And then pins him. Norman gets the win and celebrates by doing the big wiggle.
1: Love it. You seemed very upset that he doesn't change hands during the Big Wiggle.
0: I feel like I feel like your smacking would be more efficient if you changed hands, as opposed to the, opposed to the, the short arm kind of backhand.
1: I, I can't commentate on that. I wouldn't know.
0: I could be wrong, but it seems like they're going to be setting up Norman for a gimmick of just, like, winning hardcore matches as, as, like, a fluke.
1: Which could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I could be into that.
0: Yeah, before we kind of move on, I will say, like, pretty much all the matches outside of the first one, which didn't finish did feel like they had at least a little bit of a purpose.
1: Yeah. Definitely after the quote unquote first hour of Nitro, things did get better too.
0: Yeah. Even the ones that kind of started like, why is this happening? Like Berlin and Rick Steiner. Like, okay, well, Brad Armstrong comes out. Like, look, it it didn't succeed in what it was trying for, but at least was trying for something. Right. Which is the one thing I think everybody kind of gives Vince Russo credit for is trying to give everyone a story. Okay. It's not always a good story.
1: But you have a story. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that.
0: Before we go to commercial, we see Ric Flair headed through the backstage towards the ring. Back from commercial, he comes out and he's weirdly in a fired up, almost heel mood. Because he starts with some hockey reference and he's like, gets real kind of mean about it. Like,
1: My name is Bobby Clark, but they're calling for Barry Lindoff, is what he said. I don't know, hockey. Lost on me. No idea.
0: And then we don't get a mean, by God, Gene, but we do get a... Billy! Which was just weird. I liked it. He then says the filthy animals are trying to have their way with his kid. I'm like, that's not really what Mm, they're going for here.
1: I don't think so. I think they're just beating up your kid for being a little bitch.
0: Flair says his name is synonymous with reality. And I'm like, wasn't your character in a mental institution for a little while?
1: Yeah, it was. Wow, I forgot about that during the awards. (laughs) Oh, God.
0: Rick says that David Flair will make it on his own. I'm like, yeah? I don't think he will. He starts to ramble and calls out the filthy animals and then takes his shoes off for some reason. Filthy animals come down, beat the shit out of Ric Flair. David comes down, doesn't get any offense, also gets worked over.
1: And then the filthy animals just like mug Rick.
0: Yeah. They just rob him, take his shoes, even take off one of his socks.
1: Take off all, take off his shoes, all of his jewelry, take the money out of his pocket. Yeah. The one sock that they take off, Eddie like sticks in David's mouth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He basically does Mick Foley's finisher.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: So, again, they are heels, which I don't know why it took me until, like, this one to realize, like, I don't like heel Rey Mysterio being a thing.
1: No, he's not a good heel.
0: I think that's, like, the only time in his career where he's a heel. Good. So I don't know what this is supposed to lead to at the pay-per-view.
1: Do you think it'll be like a tag match with Rick and David versus... Rick's face and Billy DDP. And, oh, true. You're right.
0: Yeah. A lot of tonight, it's like what, you're just derailing the pay-per-view matches and setting up other feuds. Yeah. Like, I know you weren't supposed to start till next Monday, but you're really um, you're really kind of killing this upcoming pay-per-view. You're
1: coming in hot, but um, not good hot. Like, burn it all down hot.
0: Let's go backstage one last time. The total package goes to get Liz out of her locker room, but she is knocked the fuck out on the floor.
1: Face down, not moving.
0: And next to her is a broken guitar.
1: Who could it have been?
0: We then get our main event. It is Goldberg versus the Total Package. And we have 10 minutes left, so we get the full Goldberg entrance.
1: We do. This is a lot of time left for a, uh, a WCW match.
0: Well, apparently they're still out of time because no tearaway closed for the Total Package. No. And the two start brawling on the ramp. We get big Goldberg chants. He throws the Total Package around ringside. In the ring, Package hits a suplex, but Goldberg gets right up. Big sidekick from Goldberg, and he keeps beating down the total package. Underhook suplex from Goldberg, but then he misses a spear and gets stomped. Bobby notes that, that the total package has held every title imaginable.
1: Is that true?
0: You take the term held, oh. literally.
1: <laughs> like had it in his hand?
0: Because he never won the WWF title. He celebrated like he won it. He once did an entrance with it where he like took the belt and it was like, as a face, and was like, look at me.
1: What's it's me. Like, I am the champion.
0: Yeah. Never won the, the WWF title. Clothesline to Goldberg as it gets worked over. And I just noticed now, I don't know when it was, not important to the show, but Hall and Nash's babes are still in the, in the front row. Oh. And one of them is now wearing a jacket.
1: Got, they got chilly.
0: Only one of them, though. The other one's still. She's wearing chili. Goldberg starts no selling, gets fired up. He hits a shoulder block and then an Oklahoma slam. Then we get a ref bump.
1: Refs our glass.
0: Hall and Nash appear on the stage, and Nash just passes out on the stage. He
1: immediately lays down. Hall just looks at him and chugs the NyQuil. That's (sighs) what that that led to. That's it, yeah.
0: Sting then runs out with a baseball bat and hits Goldberg across the back. Bret Hart then comes out to ringside and attacks Sting and takes the bat.
1: It's starting to feel like an act one finale of a musical, where everybody who you've just seen all comes together for one moment.
0: Except Sid. He's not- Except for
1: Sid. I was really expecting Sid.
0: Brett ends up breaking the baseball bat across the ring post when Sting ducks. The ref comes to to see Brett and Sting in the ring and Brett putting Sting in the sharpshooter. He's fine with this. Neither of these men are actually in this match. Nope. At this point, someone has thrown soda into the ring earlier. And yeah, it's a like, big stain.
1: Yeah, they didn't leave. It wasn't an empty cup. It was like half full. There was soda all over the ring
0: now. Total package breaks that up and starts to put Brett in the torture rack, but gets speared by Goldberg. Then get the jackhammer and the pin.
1: Goldberg wins.
0: This was a good win for Goldberg. Messy finish, but I'm usually expecting the worst with uh, Lex Luger matches. and I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this was better than I thought it was going to be.
1: What a fucking show.
0: I have no idea what to make of this.
1: Oh, my God. I had to watch this in two installments because it was exhausting after the first hour.
0: Yeah, I stuck through it. I needed multiple cups of coffee just to like.
1: Oh, my God. Nick doesn't even drink coffee. And the yeah. fact that he made more than one cup, it's like, whoa.
0: There was screwball in it. <laughs>
1: I don't know what I was expecting from the first Russo show. This was not it. Yeah. I was expecting more silly, fuckery, new silly titles, more things on a poll matches. This just felt so fast that you couldn't really hold on to anything that was happening. So like his it felt like his whole goal with this was get through it, nobody remember it. Cause you didn't have a chance to remember anything.
0: Yeah, that's kind of his style. <sighs> Would you give this show a thumbs up or a thumbs down?
1: Honestly, I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think I I'm gonna same it spot. I give a
1: thumbs neutral because I feel like this is something that wrestling fans should watch yeah. because it's a piece of history and it's nuts.
0: I don't know what happens on it, but I keep getting recommended for people talking about the next Nitro and I'm like, oh no, oh, no. what happens on that show? Oh, oh no. <laughs> but let's move into our, our little closing bit. It is best bit at MVP. For and
1: this show. And then we'll go into our awards.
0: Yes. And this is a little catch me up if you're new to the show. We don't really do match of the night because we'll do nitros and it's not always necessarily a match.
1: So, our show is called Buds in the Seats, acronym B-I-T-S, so we do a best bit.
0: Emily, what was your best bit for this show?
1: <sighs> These were both very hard to find. I gave it to the women's match because like it was different and it was good and I, it made me like respect the character of Medusa, which is like a, no small feat. You're
0: going with the New York Evening Gown match. I'm going
1: with the New York Evening Gown match. With an honorable mention to everything that happened before the bell of the David and Billy match.
0: <laughs> Probably a lack of surprise. I'm going to be mine to Sting versus Bret Hart. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that was a good match. That was a good um, match.
1: but like, You are so predictable.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we'll do this each week, but I'm kind of curious. Emily, what was your worst bit? Oh, God. Was it just generally Hall and Nash?
1: Honestly, no, because they were contenders for the silliness because I really enjoyed the silliness. I don't know what my worst bit was. Maybe, maybe the fact that they're drinking cough syrup. I'll give it. That's the worst bit.
0: Yeah, I'm giving mine to unnecessarily trying to be cool. Meta Buff Bagwell.
1: You just hate Buff Bagwell.
0: No, it's more what it represents. I don't. I don't need that in my wrestling show.
1: Okay, that's fair. Because
0: also, you're, you're breaking the world of wrestling by acknowledging that there is a writer who t- tells people to win and lose.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! Are you telling me that this isn't real?
0: It's real to me, damn it.
1: Hold the phone.
0: And uh, Emily, who's your MVP?
1: fucking Russo I guess
0: you know the the more I kind of went through it I'm actually going to give mine to Medusa for putting in good in ring work and managing to get across a character and the crowd wasn't but I was sympathetic to the character of like no yeah. I want to be a wrestler I don't want to do this no, fucking right. dog and pony show bullshit
1: nice okay yeah I'll take that I to give it to Russo because like this is going to be the only time we ever give it because to him. he's
0: the reason to watch this show he's the
1: reason yeah no one's going to go back to this except for when someone says oh it's Vince Russo's first show yeah I'm in
0: so yeah. yeah, that's, that's it for the October 18th, Monday Nitro.
1: But don't go anywhere because we have a fun little bonus
0: segment. And we have a second bonus segment that Emily has forgotten about. I have worked up a butts in the seats quiz, oh, from, fuck, the past, the quiz. from the past, from oh, the past year.
1: Fuck, this isn't going to go well.
0: So let's start with the quiz. Ugh, this isn't gonna go and well. so um, the, the line here is six and a half correct answers. If Emily gets less than that... The
1: fact that there are halves makes me nervous.
0: No, I'm just saying betting lines, you have to put it somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. If Emily gets six or less, she loses. If she gets seven or more, she wins. And the loser has to do a nice little tall shot here of pecan bourbon. It's cold, but...
1: It's chilled and it's nice over ice, but I don't think I want to do a shot of it. All right. Oh,
0: God. All right. Question number one. Who was the WCW champion upon the start of the podcast? During episode one, it's not some weird.
1: No, 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 I know.
0: Not some weird like, oh, we actually started the podcast in 2020. There is none. No, 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 no,
1: no. I'm going to go with Sting.
0: Incorrect. Oh, I thought that was one of the layoffs. Oh, no.
1: I told you this is not going to go well.
0: It was Goldberg. Fuck. Okay, so this next question, there is an alternate if this is too hard because this one doesn't necessarily relate to our show as much. Mm. Name either of the two men to retire the big gold belt. Both of these were in WWE. One was in 2002, one was in 2014. Or you can pick the alternate question.
1: One of the two men to retire the big gold belt? Yes. In 2002. Because Jericho got it when he was the undisputed champion, and that was in 2001.
0: That was December 2001. I didn't give you that. Or you can go with the alternate question.
1: If I go with the alternate, do I have the choice of which question to answer? No, you
0: fuck. you have to commit to the alternate question.
1: Oh, I'm gonna regret it. Go to the alternate question.
0: Okay. Who was the leader of the No Limit Soldiers?
1: Oh, fucking Hootie! Who? Oh. <laughs> oh, he was a rapper. Oh, what the fuck was his name?
0: He's also someone's dad.
1: That doesn't help.
0: We were saying it was Bow Wow's dad, but it wasn't. It was somebody else. I
1: have no idea. I go back to the original question. I actually have an answer for that.
0: Fine, take a guess on that one. The Rock. No. The Rock. Who was your other guess? Steve Austin. Both were wrong. Shit. <laughs> going through the uh, correct answers for the Big Gold Belt was Triple H. After I was won-
1: going to say Triple H, but I didn't think 2002
0: was correct. He beat he beat Jericho <laughs> after feuding with <gasps> Stephanie McMahon and not Jericho. I say H. <laughs> and then in 2014, uh, Mr. Bork Laser himself retired the Big Gold I Belt. Was,
1: I honestly, my initial thought was Triple H, but I'm like. He wasn't part of the Undisputed Champion storyline with Jericho, so it must have been one of those
0: guys. Fuck. You don't even want to take a guess at the leader of the Nilema soldiers? I couldn't even tell you a name. Master P.
1: Nope, never would have gotten that.
0: All right. Number three. Name any match off any of our ECW shows.
1: (laughs) This is just cruel. (laughs) (laughs) This is so mean. Sandman versus Raven. You're, no. No?
0: <laughs> no. Sandman was in a match in which the winner would face Raven, but he didn't win. All right. Number four. So you have to you have to sweep the rest of these. Yeah, I'm not going to. I think you actually can get the rest of these.
1: The fact that you said that about the first one and I botched that one. I don't have a lot of faith.
0: Name any Nitro Girl by their Nitro Girl name that is not Kimberly or Spice. Tigress. Yes. All right. Number five, name another match from the night of the finger poke of doom.
1: Ray versus Kidman.
0: <laughs> Shit, now I got to look it up. <laughs> For what it's worth, I did say the night.
1: Oh, you did say the night, didn't you? I did. Um, do you want to change your answer? That was the night that we watched both, right? Yes. So that would have been Mick versus Rock?
0: Yes, it would. Know. I got one. For some reason, Road Dogg and Al Snow also sticks out. Like, none of the Nitro matches do. Just no. Just that one. Um, Was I
1: right on Billy and uh, Ray, though?
0: No, they teamed up on that match.
1: They went against each other for, like, every show, so sometimes that's, like, a layup.
0: Well, you, you are uh, two and three right now. Yeah. Who is the current... Oh, shit, I gave this one away. Who is the current WCW Hardcore Champion?
1: So you say you give it away, but, like, did you?
0: When we were talking about the Norman Smiley match.
1: It's Finley, isn't it? Yes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's what I am saying. We talked about it earlier in terms of giving it away.
1: That was not giving it away.
0: (laughs) All right. So you're three and three right now. You need to get the next four, which, again, I think is possible. In our current WrestleMania reviews, who is the one person who appeared in both best bits? Because apparently we have the same best bit for for both of them. The same wrestler appeared in, in the best bit for both shows.
1: Which, when you say current WrestleMania reviews.
0: 37 and 38. So, yep. like,
1: current day. Yes. Bianca. Correct. Yeah.
0: Okay, this is this is the, the, the uh, tough one. I, I actually gave you a heads up on this one a while ago. Seven men have held the WCW title oh, since we my started. Notes?
1: I can't refer to my notes. I will
0: let you, I'll let you write something no, down.
1: No, but I have one. I wrote them
0: down. <laughs> the Let's see how many you can get.
1: So there are seven. Yes. Seven people that have held the championship title since we started The Watch. Yes. Goldberg. Sting. Hogan, Nash, Flair.
0: Kevin Nash won the title off one of these people and then lost it to the other person. Bret Hart. No, Bret Hart is not.
1: Really?
0: No. Bret Hart's whole thing right now is I have not won the the WCW title. One of these men has actually won it uh, two times. DDP. Correct. Oh, and Booker. No, Booker hasn't either. You're you're missing one. He won it in a tag team match as well. Goldberg,
1: Sting hogan Blair, nash dvp no oh, macho yeah macho man yeah he won when it. did he have the title in our watch through
0: during the white hummer angle
1: i do not remember him having a reign at all yeah
0: he had it for a single night that's I knew- why i don't fucking remember yeah I'll, I'll give you the <laughs> he was the tough one but yeah we'll count that plus you got six out of seven that's so at least a passing grade on, on that question i
1: guess
0: all right emily we're at the final two how you feeling bad real
1: fucking bad
0: question number nine who was driving the white hummer
1: we'll never fucking know
0: that is the correct answer there was no correct answer to that that was a free gimme point fucking and for the shot emily does vince russo become a champion in wcw i'm
1: gonna say yes
0: you are correct emily you have gotten seven correct you do not I have to do bitch. this that's
1: a big shot holy hell Oh, good.
0: Rocky start there, but I think I accidentally backloaded that to be the least here.
1: The first question you were like, oh, I thought that was a gimme. I'm like, well, I'm screwed.
0: All right. With that out of the way. Good
1: Lord. That took seven years off my life. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Let's go into the Bitsies.
1: The Bitsies.
0: All right. So let's start with Best on Interviews. Crime. For the record, I think I've said this before. Um, most of these awards are taken from the Wrestling Observer Awards, and we're just going to have our own winner. There, I mean, if we agree, obviously there's a consensus, but it's not going to be any sort of uh, vote. The committee
1: between... did not vote on this.
0: Yes, just us. So, Emily, who did you have for best on interviews?
1: I felt like there was really only one answer for this.
0: Okay, I disagreed, but I mean, I, I, I might disagree, but we'll see.
1: It's Ric Flair. Ric Flair with Mean Gene in ring. He is the only one. Okay his his interviews are. More often than not, our best bits. We always do the Mean Wu Bai God Gene. He is always memorable. He's the best on interviews.
0: Okay. For what it's worth, best on interviews, just generally best on the mic.
1: If you say Sid, I'm going to. No, scream.
0: no, I, I knew you'd kill me for that. I think only two men have really had their promo, like, bits of their promos spliced into the podcast. And I'm going with the man who is just the best at sex.
1: No. Mr.
0: Scott Steiner.
1: You're giving this to Scott Steiner. I
0: fucking love Scott Steiner promos.
1: We're going to disagree on this one.
0: <laughs> Ric Flair probably is number two, but I
1: Ric Flair's number one, and you just want to be difficult. To no, this is.
0: no, honestly, I he's too inconsistent for me where he can cut the big promo, but then we have him being president of the world and
1: No, my thing is he has the highest average of good on mic interviews. It seemed like a gimme.
0: I went with Steiner. All right, let's do to our next one, our next award, which is Best Wrestling Maneuver. Emily, what'd so you get for I this? I had
1: to start taking note of which maneuvers I yes, really Yes, I gave you a heads up on this so you Because, could... as you guys know, I like it when they're flippy and I say, ooh, big flippy spinny kick. That one's good. And so I finally had to look at Nick and be like, what's that called?
0: I think my my rule was you can't pick the Shooting Star Press, especially no. on this show.
1: No. So I went with the Diving Hurricane Rana. Oh, Okay. Spinny, flippy, cool.
0: Anyone's in particular? Or just just the move as a whole? Just the
1: move as a whole. Anybody who does it. It's usually like the cruiser weights. Oh, yeah. Very good. Always fun.
0: I went with Goldberg's spear. It's not, you know, super complicated, but I like it more than the jackhammer being totally honest. Just like... It's simple. It's simple. And he actually knows how to do it here. He forgot how to do a spear In his his 10 years off from wrestling.
1: Yeah.
0: It just started being like a little tackle. Edge
1: kind of did that too.
0: But like he still runs into it. Goldberg just takes one step and it's like, it's a spear, I'm like, it's not. It's not. All right, Emily, what is your feud of the year?
1: So this was hard.
0: Yeah, we definitely had a hard time with uh, some of the positives here.
1: Because like for the feud of the year, I went with something that's memorable and had a long lifespan on the show. So it went with something that had some longevity in the episode, something that had like an episode to episode storyline arc. I can't for sure and for certain say that this is the best feud that WCW has put across our television, but it is the Ric Flair versus Roddy Piper versus Eric Bischoff feud for the presidency.
0: Uh, I guess Bischoff came back for that. I think Bischoff. Was- he was
1: part of it enough that like he was a main character in it. Yeah. So all three of them vying for the presidency of WCW, it was kind of fun to watch, so I'm going to give it to that.
0: You know, I kind of wonder if if we'd started a little earlier and, and if it had, had a match if we'd given this to Goldberg versus Jericho.
1: I would have loved that.
0: But I gave mine to Flair versus Bischoff. Honestly, it it was kind of- I don't necessarily remember that feud. I mean, it was the Same early idea. early days of the podcast. I mean, it, it, that yeah. was- our, our big Christmas episode ended with with Ric Flair winning and it was a nice feel-good moment and it was like... Oh, okay. Yeah, that that initial Flair and Bischoff okay. feud.
1: So we have two of the same characters.
0: Yes. And Emily, what was your worst feud of the year?
1: Kevin Nash versus Rey Mysterio in the hair versus mask match. <sighs> yeah. Just for what it created. The amount of like waves that had... We still say to this day how much we dislike Ray without the mask versus when he did have the match. So that made such that had such a ripple effect that yeah, it's the worst feud.
0: That's definitely up there. I the think against that is it built so quickly that yeah. it did, that it didn't have time to get bad, which also is a flaw in it. I
1: mean, yes, but it didn't have a long lifespan, but the aftermath of it is astronomical.
0: So I went with something that was long, honestly. You can make a case that it started all the way back in January and went until August. And it was just so bad and on the back burner and no one gave a shit <laughs> ever. And I went with the B team's power struggle.
1: I will agree with you.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I I I had a short list for a couple things. I forgot to I forgot to put the B Team battle royal in worst bit category. Yeah.
1: The, the spoiler, the B team shows up in my awards. <laughs>
0: So let's yeah. move on to uh, best gimmick, <laughs> Emily. What do you have for best gimmick, Ralphus? I, I, yeah, Ralphus. <laughs> Ralphus <is. laughs> Ralph as Jericho personal security. I just said
1: Ralphus overall. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, by the way, we did not look at each other's before this.
1: That's what we do for the AEW show. We, we, we do Jericho protective services. We make the white T-shirts. We go as <laughs> Ralphus, <is>, dude.
0: <laughs> I'm already balding enough. <laughs> Let's bring it down a notch. What do you got for for worst gimmick?
1: Surprise. It's the NWOB team.
0: (laughs) Ooh, okay. I have a three-way tie. I could not decide. I
1: had another one that I hated, but it's a little bit more recent, and it's more petty, and I think you like it way more than I like it. What? Cat's shoe. I fucking hate the magic shoe. Okay.
0: I went with the more real-world problematic um, worst gimmicks. Not even this version. Uh, um, Initial drunk Scott Hall.
1: Fair. Fair, 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 fair.
0: Domestic abuse Randy Savage. Fair, 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 fair. And Lenny and Lodi.
1: Fair, 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 fair. So
0: yeah.
1: I had a hard time picking. I went picking. more fun. I didn't go real.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I had a hard time deciding, and uh, that's a real Sophie's choice there. Right. All right, let's let's uh, let's keep going with most underrated.
1: Just because he's been impressing me the last couple weeks, I gave it to Leparka. So did I.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Leparka.
1: He's been so great and so fun to watch.
0: How about most overrated, Emily?
1: I think you'll be shocked at my answer.
0: See, it could be a number of people.
1: Well, let me tell you something, brother. It's Hulk Hogan.
0: <laughs> I disagree. Who do you think I went with? Uh, buff. No. <laughs> I went with Kevin Nash.
1: Fair. I was between the two Listen, of
0: them. Hulk Hogan at least brings people in for like nostalgia's sake.
1: I guess. But he's a bad wrestler. He's not good at the thing that he's hired and paid to do.
0: And Kevin Nash is?
1: No. But Kevin Nash doesn't make me want to punch my TV screen every time I see him. <laughs>
0: All right, let's go with, um kind going to you how important it is to us because with how in the middle we're doing this one, the best pay-per-view and the worst pay-per-view.
1: Oh, okay.
0: All right, let's start with the best pay-per-view. What'd you end up with?
1: Slamboree.
0: Do you remember the main event of Slambury?
1: So the main event of Slamboree was Kevin Nash versus DDP. And there was apparently a um, Roddy Piper versus Ric Flair match that I was obsessed with, according to my notes. I thought it was quite fun and stupid. All right. According to my notes, it doesn't look like I hated life while watching this. I have a lot of notes on a lot of things, and none of them are, I want to die.
0: Yeah, I, so I actually went back and listened to the last, like, five minutes of all of our podcasts just to see what we kind of say. And most of them were like, yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah. So, honestly, both of us almost picked Halloween Havoc until we actually went back to look at the card and went, yeah, it wasn't great. oh, maybe not. Uh, I'm going with Spring Stampede. When you actually look at the card, I'm like, okay, yeah, this probably was the best show. And the main event of that was the Four Corners match with DDP, Ric Flair, Hogan, and Sting.
1: Okay, which that sounds good. Which
0: which wrote Hogan out for a while, so it had oh, a buff Oh, is that the one that fucked his knee up? Yeah. Oh. Emily, what is your worst pay-per-view?
1: Starcade.
0: <laughs> I almost asked why, but uh, why don't you tell everybody anyway?
1: What, what do you think is why?
0: <laughs> the stun gun.
1: Exactly.
0: I actually thought that the rest of Starcade wasn't that bad. No surprise, people who have been listening f- for a while, I gave it a Super Brawl. A couple of the more recent ones have been really bad, but I think Super Brawl is the show that broke my expectations for pay-per-views.
1: That's fair.
0: Super Brawl had a Jericho-Perry Saturn match ending by countout when Perry Saturn just walked out of the match. Uh, The hair versus mask match, Mm -hmm. Roddy Piper versus Scott Hall in an awful match, Mm -hmm. Goldberg and Bam Bam Bigelow in a, you know, a meh match. And then main event, Hogan and Ric Flair. So not much to hang your hat on. Yeah. All right. We got a few left. Let's keep it going. How about in-ring wrestler of the year? Different from MVP.
1: This should also come as no surprise to our listeners. I gave this to Rey Mysterio. As did I. Good.
0: You see a Ray Mysterio match, you know it's going to be pretty good. It's going to
1: be at least watchable.
0: And Ray is far enough out of the main event to where it probably won't be super fucky?
1: Yes, exactly. He will actually put his all into a match and not, you know, make a joke of it.
0: All right, Emily. How about the worst wrestler? So the, <laughs> the short list for this was David Flair, Eric Watts, Vincent, the warrior with his one appearance, and Stevie Ray.
1: I did have a hard time between um, two of these people, but again, to no surprise to our listeners, David Flair is the worst wrestler in WCW. Yeah, I think
0: he helped solidify that on the show. He sure did. I obviously picked him as well. Emily, best non-wrestler. Guessing you went with Ralphus. Sure, fucking did. Uh, I went with Arn Anderson.
1: That's fair. With his tire, Arn. Yes. Yeah.
0: Arn actually had things to do and was consistent. Ralphus yeah. was just set dressing.
1: Ralphus, don't call him set dressing. <laughs> He was more than that.
0: Four awards left. Tag team of the year.
1: Again, shouldn't surprise a single soul, Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman.
0: It should be noted, and actually we probably should know this for the um, in-ring wrestler of the year. We decided to void any Chris Benoit kind of candidacy. So my tag team of the year, I gave this to them literally on character work alone, not on in-ring work. You gave it
1: to the Jersey Triad, I
0: gave it to the West Texas Rednecks. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Oh, no. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we talked about it last episode. I fucking miss them, good old boys. When I say tag team of the year, I basically just mean Kurt Heidegg.
1: Yeah, he, he just looked like he was having fun, and I really got to commend people for that.
0: I think this, this is this is the big three. Emily, who is your MVP of the year?
1: So this one I did struggle with, but I had to follow my heart, and I gave it to Ray.
0: You gave it to Ray. I gave it to Ray. So I created a list of people who had been MVP at least five times. It was Ric Flair, Rey Mysterio, Goldberg, DDP, and Bret Hart.
1: Ray just constantly impresses me and just makes me excited to watch the show. Like, yes, Bret Hart is absolutely an, an MVP in his own right. And as is DDP, as is Goldberg, as is Ric Flair. But for me, it's it's Ray.
0: I went with DDP. Fair. He he brings an element that Ray can't and also puts on good matches, like. You know, name one good Rey Mysterio promo.
1: I I know, yeah. I know. It's not a promo thing. It's yeah. it's an in ring thing. Oh yeah.
0: And I think DDP still manages to be in the main event scene and put on good matches with think about everybody else up there who, you know, can't wrestle to save their lives and it's like Yeah,
1: he is one of the only people in the main yeah. event slot that can hold his own. Yes, DDP also does deserve it. I don't think that there was a wrong answer for this category.
0: Yeah. Our last two awards are the best, best bit. And the worst bit. I think we're going to agree on this, Emily, but let me run down the... Uh, the I don't
1: know that we're agreeing on let
0: this. Let me run, run down the short list. I can
1: see you picking something else.
0: Hogan versus Warrior. Finger poke a doom. The other Hogan and Nash match at Road Wild. <laughs> the Randy Savage beating George storyline. Woof. The White Hummer mystery. Woof. David Flair as US champion. Woof. And drunk Scott Hall. Ugh. Which I realized like, I basically picked uh, two of these for my worst gimmick.
1: I mean, yeah. Again... I don't think there's a wrong answer. All of these are absolutely horrible. What'd you pick? <laughs> the finger poke of doom.
0: Yep, so did I. I think it's easy to pick this because it effectively stacks with Goldberg's streak ending.
1: It's the same thing as the Kevin Nash-Ray hair versus mask match. It's what it created. It's it's the, the aftermath of it that is the worst part of it.
0: Yeah, I had that as the worst as well. I, I debated the White Hummer streak I was going to say. But...
1: I really thought you'd give it to the Hummer. You
0: the, that you one locked onto that. <laughs> that one was more internally infuriating and didn't like actually I feel like damage the company less there. because there is so much to come out of the finger poke. Yes. Like it, it's been glanced over, but the fact that the Wolf Pack might have just been a fake thing the entire time yes. and they just kind of dropped that. Like, oh yeah, we were we were in cahoots. And like, oh wait, what?
1: It held so much weight. Yeah. It wasn't just a poke. It was. The crumbling of everything that had been built up to that point. Yeah.
0: And you had Hogan face turn two months later. Yeah. So Goldberg trying to come fight and feud with him was pointless. Didn't
1: make sense. Ugh. Yeah. Awful. Awful, awful, awful.
0: And then that only leaves. Best, best bit. So two notes on this. We're only giving this to bits from our main timeline of WCW. So I think both of us have an honorable mention for the Yeti, but obviously he does not qualify for this. Because I kind of figured this Bianca Belair matches would just kind of dominate your...
1: Yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to be fair.
0: So we gave our top five. I think let's each say our five, then each say our four and so on. Okay. So Emily, what is your number five?
1: I gave it to the Rap is Crap music video.
0: Okay. That one did not make my list. Okay. I went with at the Great American Bash 99, The Dogs.
1: Fair. <laughs> the chaos
0: energy of the dogs needs to be needs to be seen to I be do believed. Love that. Yeah, and it the really does. the fact that Chris Jericho is suddenly there too, just, just randomly just really in the background.
1: Yeah, that was amazing. All
0: right, Emily, what's your number four.
1: Staying on theme, the good old boys live performance where Kurt Henning pretends to play guitar.
0: Also, didn't make mine. Suck. I I went with uh, our most recent entry, the Bret Hart Chris Benoit match from October fourth, Night Fair. What's your number three?
1: So my one, two, and three do kind of blend. I do have them ranked, but I do kind of hold them all in the same like light.
0: Okay, you want to say, you want to just do all three then?
1: them? Sure. So my my number three that I have written down is the Bret Hart, Chris Benoit match. I think it definitely deserves a spot in the top five. Uh, number two is Bret Hart with the Steel Plate because it got me so fucking good. Yeah. Oh, I have to give it to that. And number one is the Starcade 98 match of Rey Mysterio versus Billy Kidman versus Juventud Guerrera. It is everything that I want in a match, and it was perfect.
0: All right, so we have one crossover in there. Really? So a pretty different uh, list. Yeah. I guess I technically two, because I already already said Bret uh, yeah. Hart and Chris, Chris Benoit. But number three, from the June 7th, 1999 Monday Nitro, the tag team Mexican hardcore match of La Parca and Silver King versus Damien and Cyclope. I am still obsessed with this match, okay. and I've never heard anyone ever talk about it. It caught us so off guard, <laughs> and was so much fun. It
1: was. I will give you that. It was very fun, especially
0: in in uh, you know in the sea of June and just shit times. Like just oh my god, here's this m- random amazing match. Yeah. My top two are both Bret Hart segments.
1: Shocking! You love Bret Hart.
0: Number two, and I can't believe. You didn't nominate this man for anything. Because, Emily... I'm sorry. Who were you to doubt El Dandy? I'm so
1: sorry. He was on my list, but I had to cut him. I think he was number eight.
0: And number one is from the March 29th, 99 Nitro, the Bret Hart steel plate segment with Goldberg.
1: It was so good. It
0: kills me that it just, it couldn't end up leading to anything. Oh, but it got but so much. But it funny. just, as a segment, it's oh, so... It, yeah, I think it is the best thing we've seen.
1: Oh, so good. <sighs>
0: And that's going to do it for this episode and this year of the Butts in the Seats podcast. It's been almost two years of us actually doing the podcast as well. Which is insane. I know.
1: We have recorded in three locations so far, about to be four, which to be known, we are going to be taking a break from recording for a little while. It won't feel like a while for the listeners, but we are moving. So we're going to give ourselves a little bit of time to pack, to prep, and to get settled before we record again. So we're that's why we're Stockpiling.
0: Yeah, this uh, this episode will actually be the last one to release while we're living here, and then our next episode will be Halloween Havoc 1999, oh my God. which will release on our two year podcast anniversary on Halloween. Halloween. But until then, you can listen to all of our back catalog on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod. Follow us on Facebook at the Butts in the Seats Podcast. Emily, any closing thoughts? We've been going for quite a while.
1: This was a really fun recording session. It, it was. had its highs. It had its lows. But much like the last two years of recording this one year of of content, it's been fun.
0: It has. And I want to thank everybody who is who's listening to this and has listened to the past. It makes us feel better to actually see that people are listening to this and we're not just screaming into the void.
1: It does really feel like we do scream into the void a lot. So when we get the responses on Twitter and we get the comments on Facebook, know that like you're not going to through some you know conglomerate like Nick and I are reading those comments and they do make us very happy. So thank you guys. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for us on this recording session.
0: Yeah. So until it's time to get spooky. Spooky. I'm Nick.
1: I am Emily. And
0: thank you for listening to the butts in the seats podcast. Bye.